John chapter number 17, your Bible. If uh, you have a pen there and you have your own Bible, uh, we're going to underline a couple different things in the Bible as we study through John chapter number 17. We're going to kind of dissect this chapter. Uh, my wife and I, my family and I, we served as missionaries in Argentina for many years, and uh, God was good to us. We had a wonderful time. And while we were there, many times when someone would get saved, we would tell them, uh, begin reading the Bible. Begin reading the Bible every day. And most certainly as a child of God, if you want to grow in the Lord, if you want to get closer to the Lord, know the Lord, uh, definitely read His Bible every day. And a lot of times we know this as theory, yet we're not always doing it, right? And so just the knowing and not the doing doesn't help us at all, right? And so I would, I would encourage many times, read the Bible every day. And uh, they would say, well, where do I start? And I remember many times someone would get saved and say, where do I start? And I said, absolutely anywhere. And they look at the Bible and said, man, it's like a dictionary, man. I don't, how do you, where are you supposed to start? What are you supposed to do? And so many times I would encourage them, start in the book of John. The book of John is a very simple book, very basic book, uh, right from the very beginning. In the beginning, it starts out with. And what a wonderful thing it is. And it goes through. Well, you can kind of divide the book of John in several different sections. In fact, if you were to get the Bible and maybe John 1 through 13 talks about the life and the ministry, the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he turned the water into wine, right? And when he, all these miracles and all the, the life of our Lord. Well, John 1 through 13 talks about his life and ministry. John 14 to 16, it talks about he's getting ready to leave. And now he speaks to the disciples and he said, uh, you know, not be afraid, I'm getting ready to leave, but I'll leave you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, right? And you know and I know as a child of God, now that once you get saved, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, Ephesians 4, 30, and other passages, that the moment you get saved, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He now lives in us, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, right? He now lives in us. And so you and I as a child of God, well, John 1 through 13 talks about the life and ministry of Jesus, the miracles and everything that he did, John 14 through 16, he says, the comforter is coming and that, that comforter that will be with you as the Lord leaves. And then John 17, we see him in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he is praying. In John 18 and John 19, we see our Lord, the arrest and the trial and the crucifixion. They're going to nail him to that cross. In John 20, now in, uh, uh, excuse me, in chapter number 20, now the resurrection, our Lord Jesus Christ. In John 21, it ends out the book where now he appears to the disciples, and then he goes to Peter and said, Hey, Peter, do you love me? And you remember, Peter says, Of course I do. And he said, Good, then feed my sheep. He says, Peter, do you love me? A second time. He says, Yes, I do. I already told you that. He said, Good, then feed my sheep. And then he says a third time, Peter, do you love me? He says, well, yeah, of course you know that. And he said, good, then feed my sheep. And I'm, I'm sure that Peter was a little bit confused. What do you mean? Well, just as the book ends and it goes into the book of Acts, and now Peter's standing up and he begins to preach at the day of Pentecost. Do you remember that? And 3,000 people get saved. And I'm sure light bulb turned on. Peter said, I think I understand what he meant when he told me that back there. Well, you kind of dissect the book and, you know, you put in different sections there. We're going to study John 17. And in John 17, we see that this is the time that he's in the garden of Gethsemane. Now, you remember back in Matthew chapter 6 where he told his disciples, Jesus, he told his disciples, when you pray, and then he said, pray like this. He's not saying repeat something, but he said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You remember that, and sometimes people have that memorized. I live in Latin America, and in Latin America they have that memorized, the, the, many of the Catholics, that 
prayer. But therein, Matthew chapter 6, he even says in verse number 7, don't have, repeat, vain repetitions. In other words, prayer is not something that you just say over and over and over and you become more spiritual. No, prayer is simply talking, communicating with God, right? And what a wonderful privilege it is. As a child of God, we can communicate. So in Matthew 6, he told them how to pray. But in John 17, where we're going to look at this morning, he shows them how to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but... I enjoy, sometimes my, my dad would tell me to do something and I thought, I have no idea what he's talking about. But then he would show me and it's a whole different ball game. Have you ever worked at a job and the boss says, hey, I need you to do that. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And then you go over there like, I have no idea how to do this. I used to work, I worked for many years, I worked on landscaping and they would tell me to do something new. Hey, I need you to get this and go over there. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. And then I walk over and I thought, how in the world do you do this? You're like, I'm not a mechanic. I don't know. So I'd open it up and I'd just kind of stare at it a minute like, I hope it fixes itself. You know, like, I don't know what to do. Like, it's broken. What's the problem? I'm like, I don't know. It's broke. You're like, I don't know what to do. I'm not a mechanic. You know, so someone tells you what to do. It's one thing. But then they show you how to do it. They say, okay, you grab the dipstick. You pull up the oil. It's, it's low on oil. And, you know, they begin to show you. It's a whole different thing. Well, Jesus told us how to pray. But now he shows us how to pray. Well, this is beautiful to me, and we're going to divide it into two different portions here as we dissect the chapter of John chapter 17. So grab a pen and look what it starts. We're going to start out in verse number three very quickly, a little introduction here of verse number three, and it says this, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, you know what life is all about? Life is all about knowing him. Knowing him in salvation, right? But even as a child of God, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you know heaven is your home, then knowing him in an intimate way, knowing him personally. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10 talks about that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know the Lord every day through prayer, through the word of God, through talking to him, through growing in him. Know my Lord. And so he says, this is what life's all about. It's about knowing our Lord. Now we know that. We jump down and it says this in verse number four, I've glorified thee. Now this is Jesus speaking to God, Jesus and the God in the flesh speaking to God in heaven. He says, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, all of us must finish what God's given us to do, right? We're good at starting something, not always good at finishing what we start, right? You know, we start a, a new book or whatever it may be, and we don't always finish. Now look and jump down to verse number six, and here's where we start. I have manifested thy name unto, look at this next portion here, the men which thou gavest me. Now hold on. Who are those twelve that God had given to Jesus to teach? They're known as the disciples, right? The 12 apostles, these men, now they represent you and me, the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Christ. Because when he ascended up into heaven, these men, they later turned the world upside down, according to Acts chapter 17. So these men, they represent you and me. They represent the followers of Christ, the church today. All those who love the Lord are following the Lord. And so as he begins his prayer, number one, he prays for the disciples. The disciples are you, they're me. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, all those that are followers of him, he, the Lord Jesus Christ, is praying for us. Now, I don't know about you, but when I receive maybe a text message or a Facebook message or a little note or something, or somebody walks up and says, hey, I'm praying for you. Boy, it makes me feel good. Like, well, praise the Lord, you know. I'm, I'm having a bad day. I'm discouraged. I'm having a rough time. I don't know what to do. I need some wisdom or whatever it may be. And somebody's praying for it. That's a blessing. But what about the Lord Jesus Christ? is praying for you. 
Now that's a wonderful thing, you know. He is going to the Father in heaven, taking us. He's mediating, as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5. He's the mediator, the only mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus, right? And so we don't have to go to a, a priest and confess our sin. Praise God that we've got, we can talk to our, our Savior, right? And he's mediating for So he's praying for us. But what is he praying for us? Now grab your pen. Let's begin our journey. And as he prays, the very first section, he prays for the disciples. What is he praying about? So look down here. And we're going to jump down to verse number 13. It says this. And now come I, this is Jesus, to thee, that's God, Jesus speaking to God. Now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my, next word, help me out, they might have my what? Joy. They might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now what is he praying about? Number one, he is praying that we might have joy. You know, as children of God, many times, I mean, we're just beat up by the storms of life, Right? I mean, things happen to us and can discourage us and so many things around us. And, but he, sometimes we just almost recluse and, you know, go like the turtle in the shell or something. We don't want to do absolutely anything. And here's what he's saying. He is praying that we might have joy. Do you know, dear friends, we are the ones who know where we're going to go when we die. We have the blessing of the Lord every day. We have his presence. We are truly blessed. We should be joyful people. Amen. And although we might say, yes, we should, when was the last time you told your face that you should be happy? <laughs> you know, like sometimes we're like, it looks like sometimes we might be sucking on a limb in half the night. You know what I'm saying? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Like, oh, really? You look great. You know, like, no, you know, you know, boy, we've just been face on the trial. How about we tell everybody that we're doing good because our face represents what our heart shows. We are filled with joy. I mean, we have so many things to be thankful for, don't we? I mean, we, sometimes we go on the 10% the, the, the bad and 90% good or the half cup, whatever you want to say. And sometimes we look at all the doom and gloom of life. You know, how's everything? Oh, man, it's just a rough life. You know, every day. But look, dear brethren, God has been good to us. Amen? When was the last time you got out a piece of paper? Let me, actually, let me encourage you. Get out a piece of paper today and start to write the different blessings that God has given you. You will be surprised at how good God has been to you. You know, God has saved me, and God's given me a home in heaven. God's given me blessings. God's given me a family and a wonderful wife. God's given me uh, his word, and God's given me a church, and God's given me friends, and God's given me health, and God's given me, and you start naming all those things. Buddy, we have a lot of reasons to be grateful for. Amen? God has been good to us. And this is what he says. When he prays for us, you know, there's a lot of joy thieves in this world. Things that will steal the joy right from us. Boy, whether it's a person or a situation or discouragement or a feeling or whatever it is, there's a lot of things that will try to steal your joy in this world. Don't let it steal your joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, right? In Philippians 4, verse number 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. We should be happy. And, and uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 16, verse number 11, In his presence is fullness of joy. At that right hand is pleasure forevermore. When we served as missionaries in Argentina, I used to tell the, the, the young men that were in the Bible college, I used to say, you know what real fun is? Real fun is when you wake up the next morning and you don't regret what you did the night before. That's fun. I've been on the other side, boy. I thought, oh, Lord, I hope they don't tell my parents. And I hope the cops don't find out. And I hope nobody knows. And boy, you feel bad and regretful. But you know what? When you serve Jesus, that's real joy. Because you can be thankful. You don't regret. You don't feel bad about all those other things. Serve the Lord. That's the greatest joy in all the world. 
in the book of John, in just a couple chapters prior, in chapter 10, verse number 10, he said that we might have uh, life and might have it more abundantly. So as the Lord, he's down there praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he is upon his knees. We could pull back the curtains of time. There we see our Savior. And what is he doing? He's praying. He's praying for you and he's praying for me. But what is he praying about? He's praying, first of all, that we might have. Help me out. We might have what? Help me out. We might have what? Help me out one more time. We might have what? Joy. God wants us to have joy, dear friends. But I want you to see, not only that we might have joy, look if you would, jump up a couple verses, verse number 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, this is Jesus speaking to God, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be, next word, help me out, they may be what? One. As we are. So not only is he praying that we might have joy, second of all, he's praying that we might have unity. Would you say that word with me? He might have what? Unity. One more time. We might have what? Unity. Now, you know, there's a, a way, and many times, or at least when I was growing up, I remember, you know, many times you walk in and you see someone, man, like, oh, I just don't get along with that person or whatever. Sometimes you even walk in, it's, it's crazy, like, did you see what she's wearing? Oh my good, I cannot believe, did you, did you hear what he said to me? I cannot even believe that they would look, they looked at me, you know, whatever, maybe, and you don't look at me like that, like, I've never had that thought before. Yeah, whatever, you know? I mean, we all, but you know what a big problem in the work of God is? The lack of unity. I'm not talking about, dear friend, that we all agree on the color of the, you know, the carpet or the paint that's on the wall or what our favorite dessert is. We'll never agree with that. And by the way, if you don't like chocolate, buddy, we're going to have it in heaven, so get used to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And by the way, it's going to be dark chocolate first, and then we'll have, you know. But anyway, you know, I mean, there, we'll never agree on all our little preferences, but listen, we should learn to set things aside for the great good of our Savior. We may we be one. We might not be one in the color preference of, of the walls and the, the, the preference of whatever it may be, but may we be one of getting the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world before he comes back. We can all agree on that. We should all say, oh God, help me to get people that visit in here, that hear your word, that get saved. We can agree on those things. And this is what he says, as you, my father, you and I are one, may they be one. Oh, dear friend, let us put aside our, our petty preferences, our thoughts. May we put others first, and we can go through the one another's of the Bible. There's probably about 21 of them that say, uh, prefer one another, honor one another, love one another, serve one another. You know them all. Oh, dear friend, may we be one as our Father said, he and the Son are one. But go with me very quickly, a little bit more, and jump down, if you would, to verse number 14. Look what it says here. I have given them thy, look what it says here. I have given them thy, what does it say? Word. And the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Well, next we see, so he's praying that you and I, there he is upon the, on his knees, and we pull back the curtains of time. There our Lord is in the Garden of Gethsemane, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's praying to God, the Father in heaven. And as he's praying, he's praying for us. That, that you and I might have joy, that we may be one. And now he says this, I have given them thy word. You see, God's given us the manual of life so that we can get through. How, how in the world can we know how to raise a family in a wicked and perverse world that teaches absolutely anything? How can we know how to, you know, our marriage? Or how can we know how to, you know, have the right thoughts and, and look at the right thing. How can we know how to live in this life? The Bible says that his word is a light into a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. You know how you can find out how to continue forward in life? 
right here through his word. He's left us the manual. He said, I'm getting ready to leave, but I'm leaving them the manual. They can know how to do things. There are so many crazy things in this world different. How are we supposed to believe and what are we supposed to say? Look, jump into the word of God. And by the way, when you get into the word, the word gets into you. And your life changes. May we renew our mind by the precious word of God that our thoughts are his thoughts, that what we think and what we do and how we act and how we live, everything about it, may it come from here, the word of God. Well, let me show you one more. Verse number 15, jump down very quickly. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So here it is, very quickly, he's praying for us. There he is upon the knees, on his knees. We pull back the curtains of time. There we see our Savior. He's praying that we might have joy. Do you truly have joy, dear friend? Are you seeking him? He's praying that we might have one. Are you selfish or are you serving others? Are you serving your Savior? He's praying that we might have one. He's given us his word, and now he says this, which is quite confusing to me. As a young person, when I would read this, I thought, what does that mean? Not to take us out of the world. Now, that would be wonderful. In other words, keep us away from sickness and problems and struggles and people issues and financial issues and all the things, he said, but keep them in the trouble. So not only has he given us his word, he's promised to be right there with us. He's going to hold us all the way. He's going to help us all the way, dear friend. He's going to keep us through the trouble. Now, if you run through the Word of God, you know this, that we're never promised a, an easy life or, you know, bed of roses or whatever it may be. In this world, chapter 16, verse 33, says, In this world ye shall have tribulation. I always want to look at that and say, like, seriously? That's what you're going to tell me, Jesus? Thanks, I appreciate that, you know? Life's going to be rough. Like, thank you. I mean, any other good news around there? In this world ye shall have tribulation. But it doesn't end. It says, but be ye uh, uh, cheer. Uh, let me see here. It says, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Praise God, dear friend. He didn't leave us alone. We go through different difficult times and discouraging times, but he doesn't leave us alone. We can be of good cheer because he is right there with us. You know, someone loses a lost uh, family member or, or someone goes through a trial. And sometimes I think, and even the first Thessalonians says, uh, chapter number four, that we should grieve. There's nothing wrong with grieving, but this is what it says. Don't mourn as those who have no hope. We can mourn. It hurts. That's a difficult time. And I miss that person. There's nothing wrong with mourning. But we don't have to mourn as those who have no hope. Because our hope is when this life finishes, we go to be with our Savior. We have hope, dear friend. He's right there with us. But all of a sudden, I want you to see this. Jump down if you would and look at verse number 20. Very quickly, look what it says here. Verse number 20. Neither pray I for these alone. There's a comma there. So he says this, and I want you to grab this. He says, all right. There he is. This is our Lord. He's down there. He's praying. He's speaking to the Father in heaven. And as he's praying, we pull back the curtain. We see him, and he's praying for us. What a blessed thing. What a wonderful thing. But he stops. And he says, I'm not only praying for them. Look what it says here. I'm not only praying for them. This is what he says. Neither pray for these alone. But, look what it says here, for them also, look at these next three words, which shall believe on me through their word. Now, very quickly, allow me to illustrate this. Let me show it to you real quick. Think about this. He says, 
I'm praying for all the disciples, for you and me. Praise God. He's praying for me. He wants to encourage me. He wants to help me. He's right there with me in the difficult times. We all go through difficult times, don't we? There's just rough times. But he's right there. He's praying for it. There he is. He's kneeling. He's praying that we have joy. We might have unity. He's given us his word. He's given us his presence. He's right there with us. But he stops and he said, but hold on. I'm not only praying for the disciples, I'm also praying for all those that one day they shall believe. But how are they going to believe? He says, through their word. So these people, one day they will believe. They will be saved. They will go to heaven. They're going to be part of the church. They're going to be part of the, uh, their name's going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They're going to be wonderfully saved by our Savior, children of God. But how are they going to be saved? They're going to get saved because you and I, the followers of Jesus, the disciples of him, you and I, because our word. But wait a minute. Hold on. God, I I mean, I'll never go over to South Africa. Or God, I'm not going to go to Uganda. Or God, I'm not going to go even to Tennessee or whatever. God, how are they going to be saved? Through my word. And God, by the way, I'm awful nervous. Lord, I don't have a lot of abilities. God, I don't have the education or the money. Or, or God, I don't have the, the strength or whatever. How are you going to use me? And so this is what it says. And very quickly, we're going to spend just a couple minutes here. And we'll, we'll go to the end here. But God's given us, equipped us exactly what we need so that these people can hear and get saved one day. Look what it says here. Jump if you would. Verse number 22. And the Bible says this. And the glory, would you underline that word glory? And the glory which thou givest me. Now this is Jesus The son talking to the father, God, he says, the glory which thou givest me, I have given them. The them, that pronoun, speaking of the disciples. Remember, he was praying for us. He said, the glory which thou givest me, I've given them that they may be one, even as we are one. So how are they going to believe? They're going to believe all these people one day will believe because of the disciples' word. But God, I need your help. And he said, good, I've given you, first of all, the glory. What do you mean glory? God doesn't share his glory God gives us the authority, the power. You remember Acts chapter 1, verse number 8? After that, you shall receive power, that authority to do the job. I can't do the job, but you know what? I'm nervous, and I don't know how. But if I go in the name of the Lord, I don't have to worry at all. If they refuse, they tear up the track, and they throw it down, they mock or whatever, they're not mocking me. They're mocking my Savior. If they refuse me, they're not refusing me. They're refusing my Savior. I have the authority to go in the name of my Father. He said at the end of Matthew chapter 28, 19, 20, he said, and lo, I'm with you always. As you go carrying out the Great Commission, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Now, I don't know how I can do all these different things, but when I know he's right there with me, buddy, I can do it. I've got the authority to go. My, I've got five children. I've got four girls, and my son's at the last. Uh, he's the youngest. If, if I would have started with my son, I might have ended with my son. You know, like, but anyway, my son is rather rambunctious, and so I've got five kids, and uh, my son, sometimes he'll come inside and he'll, Dad, they won't help me. And I don't know what he'll say. You know, like, uh, Dad, none of them will give me anything to eat. I say, well, buddy, you got two legs. Go get it yourself. You know, like, uh, you little punk, get out there. You know, like, but anyway, he'll come in. Dad, they took this from me. I say, well, tell them I told you to give it back. Well, I should never say that. Because then my son walks in. He's like, booyah, I got daddy power now. He walks in, hey, girls. I need that back. You ain't getting back. Dad said, and all of a sudden, like, it carries this weight, you know? And, like, now he can do whatever he wants. And I look at him, look, you little punk. Don't you go in there and use that. But you know what? As a child of God, God's given us his authority to go out and do his work. 
What a wonderful thing. So God says, hey, they're going to believe one day because of your word, but God, how am I supposed to do the word? First of all, he's given us his glory. Second of all, look really quick, the very last verse of the chapter here, verse number 26, and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the next word was to say that the what? Love, wherewith thou hast loved me, may be in them and I in them. So first of all, he's given us his glory, his authority, and second of all, he's given us his love. What do you mean his love? You know, the world out there, dear friends, they must know and see the love of Jesus. There is such a hurting world. Now, much of the, I mean, much of the world has just been beat up. They, 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 have, they have no figurehead. They have no stability. They have no, what they need is the love of our Jesus. They don't need condemnation. They need the love from our Savior. And our Lord looks and he says, you know what? The love that you give me, Father, I've given to them so they can go out there and show that love. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, let me just mention it real quick. He said, if any man has this world's good and sees his brother in need and, sh and, and, and doesn't give to him, shuts up his bowels of compassion and says, no way. He says, how dwelt the love of God in him? Let me tell you something. Our brethren, all mankind, the greatest need they could have is not the cure for cancer. The greatest need they could have is salvation so they can know our Savior. And how can you and I that has the greatest this world needs, shut up our bowels of compassion. And this is what the Bible says. How dwelleth the love of God in us? It's one thing to say it from our mouth, but it's another word to follow it through with our actions. You see, God says this. I'm praying for the disciples that they might have joy. They might be one. We say, praise the Lord. He's praying for us. What a blessing. Amen. I'm so thrilled. I'm so encouraged knowing he's praying for me. And all of a sudden he stops and he says, hold on. Lest you be very selfish and think I'm only praying for you. I'm also praying for all those that one day will believe. But how are they going to believe? He says, through your word. But God, what about, what can I do? And he said, good, I've given you the authority and I've given you the love. Now go out there and do my work. You know, I may never go over to Uganda or to South Africa, but I can pray and help others get over there. We may never go to other parts of the world, but as you saw these flags that were coming, representing here, you and I, we can pray for them, we can help them, and we can say above our tithes and our, we're going to give offerings every week and, or every month, and we're going to try to help them. Get them out. One man said, either go yourself or send a substitute, but we have to have a part in getting the gospel around the world. So the question is not, will they hear? The question is, will you have a part in them hearing the gospel? The Lord says this, they shall hear. Now the question is, are you going to fit in the equation? We don't have, nobody has to serve God. The blessing is we get to serve God. And what a wonderful thing. Now let me say it this way. When I was young, I had a younger brother. How many of you have a younger sibling? Anybody have a younger sibling? All right. Be honest with me for just one moment. How many has ever made your younger sibling suffer a little bit just because you're the older sibling and you could do so. Anybody? All right, there's like six honest people. The rest of y'all lying to me tonight. But, you know, but anyway, you know, I used to, my brother, I have, a, I have an older sister. I have a younger brother and younger sister. And my brother used to walk by. His name was Keith. And I'd grab his arm and I'd twist it. And I'd say, hey, Keith, who's the man? He'd say, ah, stop, you're hurting me. I said, no, 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 who's the man? He'd say, stop. And I'd say, who's the man? Okay, fine, you are. And I said, no, 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 say my name. He said, ah, stop. Your I said, say my name. He said, okay, Jeff, Jeff's the man. I said, oh, that sounds good. Say it again. Ah, stop. Say it again. Ah, Jeff's the man. I said, oh, I like the ring to that. Say it one more time. 
They're just a man, just a man. I say, good. And then I look at him and say, you say anything to mom, I'm going to beat the slot, buddy. Get at it. Boom, and I kick him away. I know I'm rude. Now my brother's a lot bigger than me. He lifts weights. And I'm like, you know, it was all a joke when we were kids, right? You know, like, no way, man. Leave me alone. But you know what? Man, we used to do that. And I used to force him. Listen to this. If you're going to serve the Savior, he's not going to force you and twist your arm to do absolutely anything. If you serve the Lord, it's because you want to. You do it out of a willing heart. This way he says, I'm praying for you. Thank you, Lord. And he says, but I'm also praying for all those that one day they will believe. There's people over in South Africa that will believe. There's people in Uganda that will believe because you and I, we have the authority to go. We have the authority to help. We have the authority to pray. We have the authority to send. And you and I, dear friend, we could show the love of our Savior. Now may we fit into the equation and say, God, the world will hear because I will have a part. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. Father, we love you and thank you. Lord, use us. God, may your will be done in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would stir us. God, not, not stirred just to be moved, but stirred to be changed.